Bends, benders, and non-benders alike. Welcome to Braving the Elements, Nickelodeon's podcast about all things Avatarverse. I'm Janet Varney. And I'm Dante Bosco. And today we're going to be talking to someone from another very beloved world. Multiple worlds, actually. Lots Mm -hmm. of crossover in the Avatar fandom with this other thing we're talking about. That's right, buddy. But this person... Who, for some reason, we're refusing to name, even though it's in the episode title. Uh, (laughs) This person has also found himself playing, let me say it this way, playing a critical role behind the scenes of animation, Mm. working not just as a voice actor, but also as a voice director to make wonderful shows. Wow. Wow. Well, like you're so clever (laughs) for using the words critical role, Janet. Well, instead of answering that, I'm going to welcome our very <laughs> special guest this week, Sam Regal. Welcome to the show, Sam. What's going on? Hey, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Janet, that was incredibly impressive. Oh, uh, I, I don't know. That's got to have been used 20 zillion no, to 20. No, that's the really? first time. Yeah, no, oh, that's, the, that's it. That's the oh, first one. Really Dante, uh, nice try, but <laughs> up, your game for, up your game for the next one. We'll do, we'll do. Uh, well, we are so excited to have you on the, the show because um, if there's one crossover, I would say like maybe Star Wars as well, but I feel like the consistency of crossover of fandom with Avatar fans that we meet at cons and them also loving Critical Role is like 99%. Um, there's just a lot of love for both worlds in the hearts and minds of people who seem to love the Avatarverse. So it seemed like such a no-brainer to bring you in because... We also have this great interest from our listeners and from fans of the Avatarverse about sort of all aspects of making great animation. And you sort of have a hand now in like almost every part of it. I mean, I'm not sure if you're like drawing individual cells or like sitting <laughs> on a computer uh, somewhere far away making making pictures. But um, aside from that, I feel like you super have done everything else. <laughs> I've been very lucky to... Um to be part of uh, making animation for many years now as a voice director or a casting director sometimes, as a voice actor like like you guys. But now, uh, through Critical Role, also we make our own cartoon called The Legend of Vox Machina, on which I'm an executive producer and a writer, and uh, I also direct some of the voices. And you're totally right. It's I've gotten to really sink my teeth into all things animation. And yeah, I think that our fan communities really do have a lot of overlap because um, weirdly, I feel like the, the critical role verse, uh-huh. <laughs> the critter verse and the avatar verse, they're very similar. I mean, like they're, well, our show is possibly more adult, but it's not like yours is just for kids. Like it's very yeah. adult storytelling, very sophisticated totally. and, uh, and mature themes and stuff like that, even if it's not as much cursing as we do. But like, I think our stories and our show is sort of a, a slightly kid-friendly adult show. Uh, and, and yours is a very adult-friendly kids show or, or something. Uh-huh. So they're both sort of in the, in the liminal space in between. Um, yeah. And they're both filled with great characters and amazing uh, magics and uh, such cool twists and turns. And, and of course, fans of one would be fans of the other. It makes total sense. This is especially pleasing to me because Dante asked Sam uh, and I how we know each other and how long we've known each other. Yeah, Sam and Varney, how how do you know each other? How long have you known each other? How did this get started? What's going on? What a good question, Dante. You're really up in your game. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we met, boy, 
I probably get the year wrong, but it was was it the two thousand and three sketch Sketchfest? Nailed wow. it! Nailed the year! Nailed Amazing. it all! Our so that's second ever years festival. Ago. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That Isn't was that 19 nuts? years ago, 2003? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I came in as a performer, uh, and Varney over here and her cohorts invited me and my um, my sketch comedy partner, Rob Blatt, to come do our sketch comedy show at, at San Francisco. And, man, it was so great. It was probably the highlight of our sketch comedy careers. And, <laughs> I love it. And so many cool people were there, and uh, and we, we hung out with you guys in – I, I just remember we all hung out in a hotel room one night being all dorky and fun and uh, it was it was such a great time and I we've remained friends ever since and I've gotten to work with Janet in the voiceover world a little bit and uh, I've certainly have watched from afar as you've become a mega mega star okay hey. uh, that was directed what, actually towards you Dante yes yeah, so so what, what was the name of the sketch the sketch group and where were y'all hailing from? We we started as the Infinite Monkeys. Okay. <laughs> but then we changed our name to Regal and Blatt because that seemed <laughs> that seemed somehow even less appealing. <laughs> I love Infinite Monkeys. We've all heard the Infinite Monkeys typewriter make amazing sure. stuff. Sure, reference. but then we got we we started to overthink it, and then we were like, uh, "Monkeys it <laughs> seems like a hacky comedy thing," and and then there's only two of us. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> we're not infinite. <laughs> How many monkeys are there? The infinite monkeys, two, <laughs> two infinite monkeys, half infinite each. Together, it didn't make sense to change infinite. your name to the finite monkeys. That also didn't really work. No, so. two monkeys just seemed like two a weird monkeys. sequel to two to, monkeys is not a good time. To seven seven monkeys uh, or thirteen monkeys or whatever. And were you guys coming out of L.A. or were you guys coming to Chicago? Or We came out of New York. We did New Upright York. Citizens Brigade uh, stuff in New York um, before there was even an Upright Citizens Brigade theater in L.A. And after doing the sketch comedy and improv scene for a while, we came to L.A. to seek our our fame and fortune as, as uh, hot uh, comedy writers. Those infinite monkeys are coming to town. Watch out. Here come the infinite monkeys. <laughs> and the infinite possibilities. Yes. Yes. It turns out there was only two possibilities. <laughs> <laughs> there was only two, and it was success or failure, and we failed. <laughs> yeah, total failure, Donatello on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, for people out there that don't know, he's also flop. Donatello on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which happens to be actually Sam my favorite turtle oh mine too yeah there you go how was life as a turtle I mean that's its own kind of uh you know just it was great click. I think it was one of my favorite roles I've ever played uh big fan since I was a kid always loved Donatello he was my favorite I actually when I got cast in it I won't bore the fans with boring behind the scenes stuff but I got cast as Michelangelo behind the scenes stuff how dare you you got cast as Mikey originally? Oh, yeah, and the guy who ended up playing Michelangelo, he got cast as Don. And we recorded the pilot episode with those roles. And when they played it all back, they were like, eh, it doesn't sound, it's just not right. Something's not right about it. And I, we thought we were for sure going to get fired and replaced because that's what happens in this business. Yeah, terrifying. But instead, someone was like, how about they just switch? And so we switched roles and it was like magic. It was a miracle. It, it was it was perfect. That's and amazing. I was so glad to play to keep my job, but also uh-huh. <laughs> so, so happy because I really did like I liked Donatello better than Michelangelo. It was a better fit. So 
People love those stories. I love when I see movies and, and TV shows and like you find out the little trivia bit that like two people switched roles. I absolutely love that. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a bunch of stuff that we could name. Another one uh, that you were very well known for. On the video game side is uh, Phoenix Wright in the uh, Ace Attorney oh. video game series. Uh, oh, yeah. Don't mind if I do. Yeah. Love the name Phoenix. Oh, my God. Is this show just you guys making me feel good? Well, we actually have a surprise for you. Could, would the entire cast of that video game come out here, please? <laughs> yeah, I got to play, uh, and, and I still do occasionally. I feel like I just recorded him uh, a few months ago. Uh, I get to play Phoenix Wright, who is uh, an ace attorney <laughs> uh, for these weird video games and some some anime shows that... Um, that feature him. The thing about the video games is he only ever says like 10 things. So <laughs> the, the recording sessions are very, very hard. short. He just has to say objection, uh-huh. hold it, uh, and like one or two other things. And that's Great it. Session. Then I'm done. It's like, it takes Great like 10 session. minutes. Uh, do you ever get to say your honor in an exasperated tone? <laughs> I should write that in on the <laughs> great. next one. Great, great, great. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's been fun uh, playing that role as well. And um, and I can't wait to hear how you're going to make me feel good next, Janet. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to pass the torch to Dante. I've okay, had good. it. I've had it well, with making you feel good. I want to talk about the amazing critical role. This, okay. I feel like you guys created a new genre of storytelling. Agreed. Um, of course, a Your lot Honor. of fans out there have critical role for people that don't know what critical role is do you want to kind of explain the whole yeah, whole yeah. yeah feel free to, to talk about its inception as part of the uh, sure the journey yeah so critical role is a is a live play uh like role-playing game show uh that me and my friends play we play dungeons and dragons uh on our on our twitch channel every thursday night at 7 p.m um twitch.tv slash critical But the genesis of it was me and my voiceover actor friends all got together for somebody's birthday, for Liam O'Brien's birthday. And he wanted to do something weird and fun for his birthday. So he said, let's all get together and play D&D. And we just roped in some random voiceover friends and started to play. And and many of us, like myself, had never played before. Never never before, Crit? Had never played any role playing game. What? Um, uh, yeah, I was I was not a very good nerd. Um, <laughs> but when we were finished playing, we thought that was it, and we would go about our merry ways and our merry lives. But then we all started texting each other, saying like, "Dude, that was really fun. Right. Can we do that again sometime?" And it just became a thing that we would that we would do sort of monthly at each other's houses until one day Felicia Day, a super talented actor, performer, nerd queen, uh, asked us to do it uh, if we could play our game live on on her Twitch channel. And we said, no, that's a horrible idea, but we did it anyway. <laughs> and we thought it would be horribly boring to watch random Joe Schmoes play make them ups for four hours yes. unedited around a table. But I, we found that people really got into the stories and the characters, and they really enjoyed seeing a group of friends together at a table who truly were just trying to crack each other up and, and loving each other. And it turned into this thing where we have a, an amazing fan community like you guys do, and it has afforded us the opportunities to travel the world and, and meet a lot of fans and do other things like make comic books and board games and novels. And now we get to make, uh, we take 
the characters and, and world of our story. And we've made this animated series. And it's so phenomenal. It's a wild thing that we no, never planned. But, the Infinite uh, Monkeys never knew this was part of the infinite <laughs> possibilities of what was going to happen in this town. But nonetheless, guess what, Infinite Monkeys? Things happen. It's true. But we've had a blast. And it's so great to be able to go to work every week with my friends and just make up stuff together. It's great. You are the perfect person for us to give as an example when we are doing panels at cons. And I'm sure you get asked this all the time, too. And we'll talk more about kind of voiceover and all of that in a little bit. But, um, you know, so often when people ask about getting started in acting or performing, um, people today are both blessed with the internet and things like YouTube and Twitch and TikTok and all these places that you can be seen, but they're also um, intimidated by it because there's such a mass of stuff uh, to see. But the, I think the answer for us remains the same, which is like, it doesn't matter how many avenues or how much competition there is, like do stuff with your friends, do stuff with your friends, find a group of yeah. people you love making stuff with. And yeah. you are the perfect example to say, look, these guys did it because they loved it. They love each other. All of that comes out in what you guys get to watch. And so it's such a great example to be able to give to people to say, you know, don't force it. Don't, you know, just find it and, and th- enjoy it. Yeah. We never set out to do this. We never set out to make a company or make a show or, or any of that stuff. We just set out to, to hang out with each other and do something that we were passionate about at the time, which was learning how to play role-playing games and learning how to, how it all worked. And, um, yeah, that, that's such great advice, uh, Janet, just to, to anyone who's trying to be a creative in any uh, part of the industry. Um, not everything that you do has to be geared towards like making money or getting an agent or getting a job. It can, you should have passions also outside of that. And sometimes following those passions can lead you to unexpected places and infinite monkey possibilities. And you uh, you might end up where you wanted without even having tried to get there. Well, first and (laughs) foremost, I got to talk about Liam having a very ambitious idea of inviting friends over for his birthday to play to play Dungeons Dragons and some people that have not played it you could have got roped into a three month game hey <laughs> could have been a very I had, long no, party I was blissfully ignorant about all of this your first campaign could have been like guess what we're playing this for the next two years like what what are we doing <laughs> and two you're talking about your friends and uh, Sam's friends just happened to be Laura Bailey uh, Travis Willingham Ashley Johnson. Well, who who else is? I mean, these are oh, we the got people. we got Matt Mercer, Marisha Matt Mercer, Ray, Talis and Jaffe. Talis and Jaffe. I mean, these are his friends, you guys. That he yeah. just happens to go and play his first game of Dungeons and Dragons with. <laughs> so that's also quite a bit of infinite monkey luck right there. That's pretty. It's good. true. It's true. And, and and at the time when we started, this was like eight or nine years ago. Now, we were all just um, uh, like you guys have been in the past. Uh, you know, work a day. Voice actors just trying to scrape out a living, um, doing anime dubbing or trying to get a, an agent and try to get a commercial job, radio commercial job or just just anything. So um, it's not like we all got together and said, like, these will be the greatest voice actors in history <laughs> or anything. So we were just all like hungry young actors who who were trying to make our way in, in the world today. Um, <laughs> and it worked out great. And we've all been another great thing about having uh, you know a group of friends going through this all together is that we've been been able to support each other it's not all easy you know you get setbacks and you get failures and mistakes that you make along the way but it's so great to have a group 
of folks there to bail you out if you make a boo-boo or something. So um, <laughs> yeah, more good advice for folks listening is to just have, have a few friends around that you can rely on when you make make a mistake, which you definitely will in life. <laughs> For sure. Well, and that takes us to kind of to improv, too, which is another thing that we often tell people is a great tool for if you're trying to get comfortable with yourself as a performer or as a voice actor, whatever the end goal is, um, being in an environment where, you know, there's structure to it, it's organized. And that's kind of, I think, like, people who didn't do any RPGs um, before, but who were performers and vice versa. And then obviously there's crossover between the two for people who, you know, like Patton Oswalt, who's like always been Patton yeah. and always been doing both and all of that. But that is another way that they sort of do like intermingle. And when you start doing an RPG, if you're a performer, you're like, oh, like I get yeah. it. This is like structured improv with strategy yeah. and friends and laughs. And if you are an RPG player and you, you know, try performing, you're like, wait a minute, this is not dissimilar from the character I play in my Dungeons and Dragons game. Absolutely true. Yeah. Like I think all of us were, some more than others, but uh, many of us left that first game uh, just shocked at how many itches playing this game scratched for us. Like my desire to create a character. Yes, check. My yeah. desire to do a, a funny voice, check. My desire to sort of to be a writer, check. Because you, you're writing it as you go. Sure. My desire to be immersed in a long form story and 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 the soap opera of it all, check. Like all my creative desires were all sort of boiled and baked into one thing, combined with getting to to see your friends do the same thing and passing around really unhealthy uh, snacks and <laughs> uh, and sodas while you do it. So it's it's so. I really want to believe that there's there's such a parallel between you starting to DM to being a dungeon master and voice directing. I want it to be like they were happening on the same like on parallel tracks because that I could even squeeze that together and make it fit like, oh, suddenly you're the one controlling the story in a whole new way and shaping the overall story that's being told in the adventure, not unlike directing voice actors, Ooh, eh, Sam? God, what a good segue if it were true. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't know that it Please. was, but no. but it was, uh, yes, let's just say yes and. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I have done a fair amount of voice directing um, since uh, I got to L.A. And um, that all mainly came about because I was uh, started in L.A. doing a lot of uh, voiceover dubbing, anime dubbing, which is slightly different from how we record original animation, the picture's already done, and for those listening. And then uh, we, we take the Japanese or foreign language um, audio track and just sort of mute it and then replace it with an English audio track, but you have to match the lip flap and the lip movement. And it, it's part art because you're acting, but it's also kind of part math because you're just yeah. kind of counting yeah. how many times the lips move and yeah. making sure that your mouth is moving at the same speed and there's the same number of syllables and stuff. So me and Liam and other of our friends, Talison, were doing a lot of anime dubbing. And the folks who produced those figured the, the best people to direct other actors were the folks who helped write the episodes. And me and Liam and Talison and other folks were adapting a lot of these anime scripts for English acting. Hmm. And uh, so it was just sort of a natural fit to have the people working on the scripts to direct the actors. And so I started doing that and I got better and better at it. Uh, one day I just sort of happened to be in the right place at the right time. And I was auditioning at Disney for something as an actor. And I did this stupid thing whenever I, whenever I directed, 
since I was uh, like in my 20s at the time, I wanted the actor to feel like I was in charge. So I wore a tie. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, because I didn't think they were going to take me seriously. This 26-year-old kid, like, why would Gray Delisle listen to me? You know? Why would Showed up Kari to the Logan? session in a tie? Yeah, oh, so I would so I would wear a tie. It's like Michael J. Fox movie in the eighties. That's what it feels like. It's like uh, if I wear a tie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I wore a tie to every directing session, and I went to Disney on a lunch break to audition for something, and they made fun of me, and they were like, "Why are you wearing a tie?" <laughs> and I was like, "Well, I have to direct a thing across town, and this is what I wear when I direct." And they were like, "I think somebody else had like quit or been fired that day," but when I said the word directing. Everyone in the room, their eyes lit up and they were what? like, wait a second, you're oh. a voice director? And I was like, yeah, I am. And they were like, after your session today, can you come back and talk to us? What? And yeah. And I was like, sure I can. And so I went and I finished my session and I came back and I met with them and they were like, we are looking for someone actively right now who gets comedy and we need, we need someone. And are you available? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm available. My oh my goodness. <laughs> so had you not been wearing the tie to then be yeah. teased audibly enough that you explained why you're wearing the tie, who knows? I'm uh -huh. sure you would have ended up doing it anyway, but that is a, an amazing story. Yet another yeah. infinite monkey possibility <laughs> yep. going on. How totally. much do you regret La La telling Dante the uh, name of the uh, troop? <laughs> infinitely. Infinite regret. <laughs> Correct answer. Correct answer. Well, let's talk about The Legend of Vox Machina, um, okay. your animated series. How does that happen? How do you guys, like, that was suggested from the outside? Because sometimes we don't really think that we can do a thing until someone goes, you know what, you should blah, blah, blah. Or was it something that you internally as a group started talking about? Like, wait a minute, what if this was a cartoon? I think it was mostly the latter because our show, our Twitch show, is very much theater of the mind. It's basically like a, a really, really, really long radio play where Matt, our dungeon master, he describes what's happening with very visceral language. And um, it's all awesome. We, we do have a little music playing, but most of it is just sort of imagination games. And because of that, uh, we've always sort of in our heads imagined how our stories would look like. And I think because we're all voiceover actors, the way that we imagine these stories is as cartoons. Like when I close yeah. my eyes and <laughs> like, that's what I picture. Um, also, we are blessed and fortunate to have an amazing fan community who drew incredible pieces of fan art based on some of the scenes yeah. or moments from our games. And so we would have these just cinematic imaginations of, of what we are describing in our game. And we were always like, yes, yes, that's it. I wish I could see this, this image animated. You know, I wish I could see it come to life. So I think in the back of our minds, we always dreamed that it would one day be an animated series. And we took it out and pitched it around town to everybody, all these places, and they all said no. And it was very sad. Um, but then we remembered that we have this incredible fan community. And so we put up a Kickstarter to try to find uh, enough money to finance a pilot episode. We figured if we could make one episode as sort of a proof of concept, we could get somebody to say yes to it. And our fans went crazy and they gave us way more money than we had asked for. Uh, and we ended up raising 
11 million dollars uh 11. what 11.4 million dollars which was i think 18 times what we had asked for or something like that and it was the it was the number one film and tv kickstarter in history yeah uh, and it was life-changing for many reasons we didn't get to keep any of that money by the way i'm not i'm not money bags <laughs> mcgee over here we we spent yeah. it all on the animated series That's and so cool. wouldn't you know it right after that happened uh, all the places that had said no to our animated series called us up and they were like, hey, hey well, what we want to do what your show now. We want to do your show. Yeah. Will you come back and pitch it to us again? Because uh, there's clearly an audience. And so uh, we did that and we pitched it around again. And Amazon <laughs> said, we would love to have this on our platform, but also take the amazing gift that your fans gave you and uh, and put in our own money. And, and instead of making one season of it, um, we want to make more. So we, we they said, let's make a second season also. And Great. let's make more episodes per season than, than you expected. And let's make the animation quality the best in the business and hire the best of, of the best animators and character designers and actors. And so it was an offer that we could not refuse. And amazing. we've now made an animated series that is... It's our dream come true, and it's truly a dream to work on every day. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Let's get into our own, just some some lore and some chit-chat from our own yeah. uh, animated world, uh, which, again, if you like one show, I think there's a terribly good chance you will like the other if you are not already fans of both. Um we know that Critical Role members love Avatar because they have been very generous in social media um, expressing that love of Avatar Last Airbender and Legend of Korra, which is so wonderful. Uh, but I understand that you also have a couple kiddos who are not... Uh, not hating on the Avatar verse either. No, during the pandemic, it was one of the, I think it was one of the first things, you know, because everyone was going a little stir crazy there at the beginning. Um, I think Avatar was one of the first series that they sat down and just watched start to finish, kind of like one episode per night until it was all through. Wow. And, um, and then I think they went back and wa watched through it all again, mm -hmm. which was, so thank you for that because it helped <laughs> me take care of them for a while and, and not have them go too bored or st stir crazy. And then I forget when, but I mentioned to them like, oh, by the way, you know, there's another series. There's this thing called Korra also. I don't know if you guys are interested in that. And they were like, what? There's more? <laughs> uh, and so they watched that over and over again. I have an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old. And my eight-year-old has watched the Korra, the entire Korra series, I don't know, eight, ten times oh, through or something. That's so cool. Um, they're huge fans. Um, they're going to – this is probably the most excited, exciting thing that I've ever done is being on this podcast <laughs> and getting into it. <laughs> Is getting talk, that feels to talk really to good. Have you ever had conversations with them? And I totally understand if like this hasn't happened, but are there conversations that you have with them where they're like, this is why we love the Avatarverse or like these are the characters that we keep coming back for over and over again. I don't know if that's something that you get into or if they're just like, dude, we love this show, which is also fine. I think they really like how complex it is. I know they're just kids and all, but like that's that's also part of the rewatchability 
is I think that they like that the stories aren't all the same. It's not a formula every episode. And it's not, you always know at the end, they're going to they're gonna end it with a silly joke. There's nothing like that. Like when they were watching it the first time, is that guy the bad guy? And they're like, well, yes, but not really. I mean, he you can't really call him a bad guy because he's yes! also now a good guy. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, oh, okay. Uh, well, are they an item? And they're like, no, I mean, they will be, but not yet. But no. <laughs> it's very, it's very complicated, which I think they it's really like. Complicated. I love that. I love that so yeah. much. All right. Well, we'll get into some of our um, our favorite questions to ask our guests. Uh, okay. Dante, you want to dig in with some uh, Animal Crossing? You know how the animals in the Avatar verse are a lot of uh, hybrid animals. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. every you know, it seems that people have us included have gone drawn into our favorite hybrid animals. Do you remember any favorite hybrid animals in the Avatar verse? Um, is Momo a hybrid of two things? He is. Yeah. He's a, a hybrid a of a monkey uh, lemur, a lemur, a lemur, and a, a bat. Oh, it gets God. confusing because Momo was also modeled after um, one of the guy's uh, cats. So then we get scared oh, and cat. throw cats in there as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And so he flies. He's like a flying lemur because he has yeah. a little kind of um, little like flying squirrel slash bat wings. But he's not an airbender. Whereas Appa, who's the air bison, he definitely is airbending. So he's magic in that way. That's my son's um, favorite. Uh, is is Appa? Um, good taste. Good taste. Yeah. yeah. My eight year old, uh, uh, their favorite character is Cora. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously. But I was trying to think of uh, of good pairings, and I just think it would be cool to mash like some of the weirder looking animals together yes. to make. I, like, I, I, like if you took a blobfish and a platypus. And an anteater, maybe, maybe there's the, there's a three-way uh, hybridization or something, but like I feel like either that's going to be horrifying, uh-huh. or what if all the all the ugliness sort of can- cancels itself out Could. and you have like an Adonis looking creature, <laughs> like the, the most beautiful looking thing ever. It could absolutely happen. Yeah, I definitely want to see the snout on that creature. I definitely want to see uh-huh. what comes through on the snout of that uh, triple hybrid. Totally. That's amazing. Yes. I believe the sheer shoe could be a triple hybrid too. Yeah, the sheer shoe is a triple hybrid. Yeah. Oh, nice. I can't remember the three animals at this Scary? moment. Sure. But I- Poisonous tongue, you bet. <laughs> yes. It's definitely three, and that is one of the scariest animals. Um, totally. So You talked about an item with your kids, so obviously your kids know about the ships. Are there are there ships in the Avatar universe that you ship? I or think, your family I think ships? they are very happy with uh, Aang and Katara because I was asking them before going on the show, on, the, on your show, I was like, why do you root for Aang so much? And they were like, come on, you've got to. He's just the greatest. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, any, any, anything. There you go, anything Katang, you guys out there. The, the Regal family little ships Katang, to Katang hard. Little shout out to Katang. That's Listen, right. I think what you need to do is tell them that Prince Zuko said he's very hurt <laughs> that they don't ship I'm Zutara, sorry. that they don't ship Zuko and Katara. Can you handle it, Dante? It's a nice ship. No, what it's I was saying, nice I love ship. people shipping our, our shows and your show too, Sam, because it because it's like the fans have that they gain ownership of the show and they create their own storylines with the things that we've created or helped create, and it's really uh, just 
feels good as the artist like oh wow you guys are so into it that you've taken it to another level that's totally. not even canon anymore which i find amazing and i love it yeah yeah no you're totally right when they've it, that's when the story sort of leaves your control and just right. sort of enter, enters the world and it's like oh this isn't my story anymore it's it's our story and exactly. it's such it's such a great feeling for sure um you brought up sam being at disney and worrying about great Delisle taking you seriously um she plays one of our all-time favorite adversaries on the show azula but dante has mixed feelings about it because he adores gray i love her i hate azula but i love her she's my sister <laughs> so hard because gray as a person is uh is so wonderful and so hilarious yes but she's just so good at being evil she played so the, the bad guy on our show uh the first season of our show and part of the reason that we cast her was her performance as azula on your show yeah um because she's just so she's so good and and you do even on your show you get little hints of like oh this person isn't just bad to the bone like she was made to be bad you know from yeah. her, yes. her traumas or, or her background or her father or whatever and and on our show too like she plays a multi-dimensional villain um and i think that gray is just so good at at using her voice to um, make you care about a villain yeah you know like a lot she's a wicked wit and a wicked yes. sense of humor it is amazing, though, that she can empty her voice because she's so warm and so funny and lovely that she can empty all of that out, tip it all out so that there is just like this like cruel voice that seemingly devoid of compassion is a mm -hmm. real talent. Because I I don't know, yeah. like you sort of go, how some of that's got to shine through. And you're right in that they're complex and she creates complex uh, roles. But at the same time. You know, you're not seeing a lot of gray in Azula, and that is—it's amazing. It's just amazing. Yeah, how much she becomes another person. It's really cool. And then you hit stop on your recording session, and she just turns into a, a lovable weirdo again. Um, yes, uh, instantly. She's so uh, fun to direct, also, just because she she has this thing. The best voice actors, I feel, um, are ones who like could also be writers if they cared <laughs> or wanted yeah. to, you know, or, or, uh -huh. or needed to. Yeah. Um, but like she has that gift that a lot of great voice actors do, like you, you both, where you can just kind of look at a script and maybe you read the whole thing. Maybe you didn't even read the whole thing, but you, <laughs> but you kind of like, you instantly get, okay, I get what this scene is about. I get what my character's role is and I get what I'm supposed to be servicing. Like I'm not like gray will come in and you guys will too. And instantly understand like, okay, I'm not the main character of this episode, but that's totally great. I know exactly what my, my function is. Right. I'm supposed to make the main character feel really, really bad so that at the end of the episode, <laughs> they can feel really, really good or, or, whatever yeah. or i can be the support right. system for the main character but you guys can get that after just reading just a couple of lines of dialogue and um and i think that's one of the things that gray does so well is like you can show her one page of a script and she she understands what the other 30 pages will be probably yeah. oh that's so well said i love that all right bosco yeah. we're gonna ask the big question varney the big question we ask every guest that comes on this podcast is, of course... I'm a Hufflepuff. What kind of bender... <gasps> no, that's helpful. That's helpful. That's actually very helpful. <laughs> yes. Well, what kind of bender in the Avatarverse would you be? Uh, I've given this a lot of thought, and I also checked with my kids. Um, 
there was a lot of, well, you wouldn't be this because, and mm -hmm. you wouldn't be this because. Mm -hmm. um, so we eliminated mm. fire very quickly. I knew um, you would eliminate fire fast. I, by the way, had this whole conversation going so in my head as well. Uh, but I was really torn with the other three when I was thinking about you. Like, I was very torn. I don't think I'm cool enough to be fire, Dante, honestly. <laughs> and I don't think my kids think so either. I'm just... <laughs> I'm too dorky. <laughs> Don't worry, Dante. This um, is still a compliment to you. Don't even worry about yes. it. <laughs> Where are we going, Sam? Where are we going with these elements? Um, no, they. My kids agreed that they thought that I would be an Airbender because they said that I'm. I keep calm mm -hmm. when things go wrong. Uh, they said that I'm always happy and smiley and, and joyful, and they they said that I fart a lot. <laughs> <laughs> airbender, you guys. That's an Airbender right there. That is the best trilogy of reasons. That's the best triangle, triumvirate. I'm not sure what I mean, but I know that those are the best three reasons we've ever had. I, I can move air and wind. You I can had settled on the best air. I was saying. close to water for you, but I settled on okay. air. And but I dismissed Earth, but I played with Earth because you're so funny and like very grounded as well. Um, but I'm very smug right now. <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, uh, Sam Regal, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much oh for coming and talking about your world and fandom and passions and all the good stuff, your kiddos and <laughs> all of that on Braving the Elements. So this amazing, has been so delightful. I have to thank you in the popularity of Critical Role for bringing D and D back into. The universe of the yeah. world, all the gamers out there. For uh, me too, it got me playing D and D again with friends and campaigns. Oh yeah? yeah, of course. Special shout out to my friends Laura Bailey and Travis Willingham, part of your yeah. crew. I went to my first Comic Con with so many years ago in Australia, before they were married, before they were parents, and I just have great memories of those guys. So I, you know, when this happened for them, I was just so just delighted and yes. it was amazing well that's very nice and thank you right back from from me and from all of us i really do think that that airbender and cora really kind of like it established an audience for these kinds of stories that are complex and magical and rewarding and uh these kinds of journeys that take unexpected twists and turns into fantasy spaces and and there's definitely characters on critical role especially keyleth from the first campaign that are straight up based on airbender stuff so yeah. so thank you guys for influencing us and being the spark that lit the flame so uh, uh and thank you guys so much for talking to me for so long oh man this has been great um where can people find you is there anything you want to um oh. mention that you haven't had a chance to yet uh yeah i mean if you are uh 17 or older let's say uh <laughs> definitely check out our cartoon it's an adult cartoon on prime video it's called the legend of vox machina season one is out and season two is uh is coming soon and uh, we broadcast every Thursday night at 7 p.m. on twitch.tv slash critical role if you want to check out some role-playing games. And there's also comic books and uh, novels and stuff at, at Barnes & Noble and other stores And, and uh, if you just want to uh, check out our stuff by reading. Love so, it. Yeah. Love it. All right, everybody. Thank you, Sam. Thank you so much for listening to Avatar Braving the Elements. And hey, make sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a review. All of that really helps the podcast so much. And we love you guys. Next week, we're going to be recapping The Serpent's Pass with fellow podcasters Afia Augustine and Vincent Bernard. 
You can follow me on social media at the JV Club on Instagram and at Janet Varney on Twitter. And I'm at Dante Bosco on both of those. We'll see you next Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.